1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Johnson Title Podcast, a partner of MoshpitNation.com. This episode's guest is Scott Bowling. Scott, for some of you who may not be aware, has an awesome webcast over on YouTube called Good Company with Scott Bowling, where basically he interviews musicians and. Basically musicians, and they, he invites them into their house and runs through their discography and gets really interesting stories out of them. And someone I always invite into my computer screen, into my home to talk to every week is Mr. Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening?
2: Oh man, I am doing fantastic. This is a fun conversation. I can't wait for everybody to get to hear it.
1: You know, it it was kind of fun getting to talk to someone that's sort of, I'll say in the industry. um, I mean, this is definitely like a a how the sausage is made kind of a conversation. I think like it went from being an interview, like where we were kind of talking with Scott to really just kind of a roundtable discussion of how, you know, we all do our shows differently. You know, like between you having your show, Scott having his own, like where he has literally has the person on and films it. And then yeah. to, you know, me were – I think that's the funny thing is like I, I the Venn diagram between the three of us and our shows is actually pretty interesting. It's like I talked to – we talked to musicians on here and, you know, as it's such – It's
2: mostly just you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when you when you get a different job that will allow you to actually – take breaks. <laughs> when you
2: schedule interviews, you know, after 5 PM, that'd be amazing. I'm,
1: I'm at the mercy of these guests. <laughs> I know, man.
2: They're, they're busy folks. Yeah. I get it.
1: Um but With that being said though, you know, I get to talk to these, these artists and so forth and talk to them about, you know, new records coming out or various things. And you go through a band's discography and Scott actually has the musicians there to his house to talk about their discographies and the stories that, you know, come from that. So it was kind of fun you know, having him come on and just kind of shooting the shit really about everything. And, um, I know like he's been on your show, uh, to oh, talk yeah. about Bride, which is a band I knew absolutely nothing about, had never heard anything about. And I, I gotta say, I had a really good chuckle when he kept talking was, what was the, the one album he kept talking about?
2: Oh, A Fistful of Bees. Fistful
1: of Bees. <laughs> <laughs> like all I could think of was the, uh, the album cover for, was it? Attack of the Killer Bees? B-Sides or yeah, whatever? Yeah, and I kept thinking of that, and then I just started thinking of like Wu-Tang Killer Bees and shit like that, and I was thinking of everything other than what you guys were talking about, and I was like, man, this album must be really good if it's the one Scott keeps talking about, and I checked out like two songs, I was like, this is not, I don't like this. <laughs> it's,
2: it's, it's really not good, you should have checked with somebody before you just listened to that. I would have rather have
1: been stung by a fistful of bees. <laughs> yeah, maybe that
2: was the whole point, it was to create a feeling.
1: It created something,
2: <laughs> dude. Fifty-year-old dudes laying down some sick raps.
1: <laughs> uh, there definitely to some
2: edgy rock music.
1: There doesn't need to be that ever.
2: <laughs> That's pretty harsh, but totally on point.
1: Yes, but. Uh... <clears throat> No, I mean, Scott, for a lot of us, I think, uh, in the collection of podcasts between myself to me, I would even say, like, Roach Coach and a handful of us, like, you know, we're all kind of very aware of each other, um, you know, and kind of support what each other does and all that kind of stuff. And I would almost say, like, we form sort of like a collective of sorts between a lot of these podcasts, or in Scott's case, a webcast. And so it was kind of fun just to kind of do something a little different, kind of break the the mold of what we typically do on here, you know, talking to a band person or whatever and, and all that. And, uh, you know, it was fun and, uh, you know, it may be a conversation that some people find very not interesting because you're just not in this. But I think for those who have a, an inclination to want to do this or, you know, do do this. Yes. I said, do, do, um, (laughs) uh, it's one of those things that I think uh, I think there's some interesting information in there. I mean, especially on Scott's behalf, like if I mean, it's like pulling tea sometimes to get people to come, you know, come on the show on on this show, and, and Dan can assist to come on his show as well. And the thing that killed me about it was, you know, Scott's like, yeah, I just tell people, you know, I'm, I'm available on this one day a week, basically, and uh, you can come over to my house. <laughs> it's like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I think at one point I was like, how do you get anybody then? Yeah. <laughs> like, if I were to, yeah, I think you use me as the, the sacrificial, like, example, like, where you're like, yeah, I mean, like, John doesn't just go like, hey, come into my office and let's have a conversation.
2: <laughs> right. My office that's a broom closet. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, it was it was pretty interesting though having Scott on and um I think uh without further ado we're going to get into our conversation with Scott Bowling. Yes, that's right. We as in Dan was in on this conversation as well. So oh let's Oh my gosh. Let's get to it. So welcome to another episode of Johnson Title Podcast. I have the pleasure this evening of being joined by the coiffed-haired Mister Scott Bowling. For those of you who may not be aware who he is, he has a great—we'll uh, call it a webcast—where uh, he, good company with Scott Bowling, where uh, he has people of all walks of life in the music industry uh, come to his house in his man cave, and he interviews them, and it puts every podcast uh, to shame. it is professionally shot it looks really great you can't help but look at everything on his walls I think he should just start charging admission to his house uh, at this point but with all that aside how are you doing this evening Scott
3: I'm doing great thank you Uh, and thank you for calling it a web show I'm starting to get like this weird like people. I love your podcast I'm like
1: it's not a
2: podcast it's a web show
3: see I listen
2: (laughs) to the I listen to I actually listen to the interviews sometimes I've got YouTube uh, read, red so download the video and listen to it on my phone with headphones on and not have to be, not even watch the video and in in that particular case I just make it into a podcast.
3: I've almost thought about taking the audio and just starting a podcast with and just using the audio every every interview. Well,
1: you sure. would almost be doing exactly what I do, which is I typically just take the audio break it all down into a like an iMovie or whatever and then basically convert it for YouTube specifically so I do the same thing just in reverse of what you would be doing that's cool
2: yeah you just uh uploaded an interview with uh Kevin Max yes Uh, Yes. just recently I'm almost done with that one uh (laughs) it's about an hour long but uh but good stuff I remember making fun of his hat for some reason, <laughs> just because he's got like, a he's got a bowler hat on with uh with, with uh like feathers coming out. Is it one feather or two feathers? And like I'm uh, making fun, but it's like it's just because I could never pull off that hat. But I mean, if you're Kevin Max, you could pull it off.
3: Yeah, he actually wants to do another um, interview, but just focus on his solo albums. Cool. Which, uh, yeah, it's cool. I mean, I know a couple of them, but I don't know all. You know, Hundred of them, so right. Well, <laughs> it may be a little hard to do an interview just about your solo stuff. It's right, got so many solo albums, it's insane.
1: So, where did the idea first start for for a good company with bowling?
3: So that's a great question. Um, originally, I it was all in my in my brain because I was like, I, I love podcasts, and um, I, I was like, you know, I want to do something like this, but I was kind of shy and embarrassed, and like. Even before I told my wife, I told one of my best friends, uh, excuse me, his name was Kurt Thomas. I said, I want to do like a podcast and just interview people, interview musicians. And he's like, well, you know, you got such an awesome bar and everything. You should film it. And um, he's a, a country artist and he's got a few videos out. And he goes, let me hook you up with the the guy that does all my music videos. So I was like, that's cool. So I kind of, um, so we kind of all set up the interview and I actually interviewed my my friend, Kurt Thomas. And, and um, it's kind of cringeworthy to watch. It's, <laughs> it's like, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but uh, I'll just say this real quick. A key thing, though, is Kurt told me this. He said, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. And he kind of built me up way more than he should have. <laughs> because uh, going back and watching, I'm like, dude, I sucked. But he was, be, it could have gone two ways because he could have gone like, "Yeah, I don't know if this is going to work out." But he <laughs> he actually built me up, and I'm like, because you built me up, I did another episode. <laughs> yeah, so I always thank him for that. I'm like, because I, I listen to what his feedback. So if he if he told me I sucked, I would probably not start a good company. Um, he has a show. He has a song called "Good Company." Um, so i actually asked him i said you know i love that song you do good company do you mind if i use that for the title of the podcast i'm i'm calling my
2: show podcast now for the (laughs)
3: for the my web show so he said that that was fine so that's basically how it started
2: well i mean it must not it must not have sucked too bad because uh for a youtube show um that that was just started you know kind of basically came out of nowhere um you got a a pretty good amount of subscribers off of that was that did you notice that early on or was it uh was that more of like like after maybe you got some of the higher profile artists on there or so did that come right away i guess is what i'm asking or was it just based on kind of the artists that you got on
3: it didn't come right away actually but what came right away actually was um um a guy named eric rogers and he used to be in a band called stereo mud Mm -hmm. yeah so I kind of Facebook stalked them and since I had Kurt Thomas's interview I was able to have actual pictures and in the, the the interview obviously and and just something to show for it so Eric Rogers was like I got a new band called my therapy and um, so I'd love to be on your show so it just kind of a snowball effect so once I had Eric on the show more subscribers And then I kind of reached out the phones from Suck Mojo and said, hey, look, I got Eric from Stereo Mud, and and this is a legit show. So it kind of started from there, and more subscribers came. But it was really getting that first couple episodes and having something. So you're not saying, hey, you want to come to my basement and (laughs) let me film you? (laughs) Let me ask you some (laughs) questions about music?
2: Well, that was part of my next question, too, is how hard is it to – how hard is it to, to can, like, because, you know, you're saying, yeah, I Facebook stalked this dude for a while, and I was, you know, talking to this person. <laughs> so then it's like, hey, I know you've never heard of me before, but I want you to come do my show, but you have to come to my house. And, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, can you, like, John especially, like can you imagine if we were asking people, like, hey, we're going to need you to actually show up in person for this at our <laughs> residence? Um, you know, Oops. did you you know how how did that go over did you, or did you just like create the perfect pitch for getting people to come to your house
3: that's funny that we keep saying my house because honestly I never call it my house I just say hey do you want to come do an interview and I say this is the location and usually that's like the it's funny because that's like the last thing they find out they're like oh you actually live there that's a studio they always think it's a studio that's but I never call it my house I just say hey we film in north georgia and uh, I kind of give them. I kind of. I'm just naturally do it that way. I never, I didn't plan on doing it. <laughs> never plan on saying, "Hey, it's not our house; it's a studio." But they always assume it's a studio, and that's kind of last minute. But by the way, I live here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's where the magic happens. Why aren't you wearing
2: pants? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah, it looks like too. Um, one of the one of the first ones I watched was the uh, Michael Sweet from Striper uh, interview, and I've noticed, um, and, and I, I feel a little bit of kinship to your show um, with with my other show, discography discussion, because I realize that it's not a uh, it's not a Christian rock themed show necessarily, but it is. Um, it, it seems like you know there's quite a few Christian artists featured on there was that something that you ever thought about or do you just have a list of people regardless of whether it's christian music or not that you just want to get on
3: that's a great question i actually uh, um um with my inexperience i guess i i reach out to people who i grew up listening to and my brother um listened to a lot of christian music growing up so like pod he got me connected like not connected he got me listening to the brown album and i've been a fan ever since so I reached out to them with Striper was the same way. Um, just having someone, an older brother who's five years older than me, I, I looked up to him. So whatever he listened to, whatever he liked, I liked. So, and so I never wanted my show to be a Christian show. I never wanted my show to be like a metal show. So I really want to interview anybody and everybody. Um, but yeah, that's so. So you'll see like little Christian are sprinkled in because it's basically who I grew up with. One day I think if I get, um, if I get. Uh, Better at my craft, I can um, interview bands I've never even heard of. So, so I'm just kind of playing it safe now. Like, oh yeah, I grew up with those guys. Get them on the show. Heard of
2: them, so you got to print up
1: like little props to hold up for their album (laughs) covers. What is your (laughs) process like for preparing for these interviews that you do?
3: It's it's intense, really, because I I just uh, getting all the props is another chore, and now I'm like, is this. Should I change the format because this is becoming a pain but now I, I get props made and, and for people that don't know what I'm saying when I say props I, I I have their vinyl records if they have vinyls I'll hold their vinyl records up and say hey this is this is the album you worked on but if they don't have vinyl records I, I get these things called props so I go to like a FedEx basically and I hand them a CD and they'll laser print that CD to a 12 by 12 that looks like a vinyl
1: you've never had any issues with copyrighting things like where they won't do it
3: um, that's a great, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, and, <laughs> nobody's ever asked me that. Yeah, I had to, I had to, uh, I had to uh, yeah, fill out a form. <laughs> I don't know how legit that form is.
2: I mean, if you're if you're not selling uh, yeah. it, I guess it wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, I
3: wasn't. Yeah, they they get they FedEx does definitely give you paperwork to fill out, and I kind of just sign whatever. And yeah, just, here's your form. <laughs> I'm sure, I got copyrights on all. 25 of these artists yeah but no yeah I, I, I basically when they saw me bugging them every day to get more and more done they i think they knew that i wasn't gonna cause any trouble <laughs> so, um, but yeah so the preparing is is another thing yeah i have to i basically listen to music uh, like for a couple of weeks i'll just listen to nothing all the albums and try to get familiar with them and and i never write any questions out i just try to get real familiar with the music again so, yeah that's it I, n- I don't write any questions out i've never done that before
1: maybe i should what what do you do for like when you have someone like let's say a jose mangan or a eddie trunk you know someone that basically does for a living what you have them there to do how hard is it to interview the interviewers
3: so that yeah, that's great, man. Um, so those tend to be more the stressful. Like I stress on those hard, because. Uh, but what I've learned is I've I've interviewed Eddie Trunk, and I was so nervous for that interview because exactly what you said. I'm like, he doesn't have like a list of albums he's done. So, yeah. um, but what I've noticed is that Eddie Trunk is such a pro. I mean, he's been doing this 35 years. I, I remember telling my wife, I was like, this is the easiest interview I've ever done because he knows what he's doing. He's like a pro. I'm just like a I'm a little guy, you know. He kept the thing, he kept the interview flowing. I was like, that's probably the easiest interview I've ever done. Same with Jose. Um, I can't wait for that to come out. Um, so I interviewed Jose, and then we did another segment the same day with Rich Ward from Fozzie, and we talked about 90s metal. And having those guys on the, the show is super easy because they they're they're pros, man. They know what they're doing. They don't. There's no filler space. It's just like they keep the thing flowing, uh, you, you know. It's the it's the other artists. It's the the lesser known people that are that are more nervous and and try. It, it's it's those are the harder ones for me.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I know sometimes uh, with publicists reaching out to me to I'm not gonna say break their band, but be they know that I I guess in theory I don't know this for a fact um, <laughs> that they know that I will get a good interview out of out of this person or this band uh, that is newer. But the problem I always have is like in trying to do my research, I tend to find that like there's this band earth that when I was shopped them, they had just signed to solid state and hadn't really done any touring. Basically solid state re-released their EP that had already been out. So there wasn't even like a solid state debut at this point. Uh, that was new music. And there were like no interviews from this band. And so it was just like, wow, this is really tough because I don't, I don't necessarily know what to ask that's not super cliché, but I guess I kind of have to be the cliché interview and ask certain things because there is no other information out there about this band. So sometimes I think it's easier at times to talk to people that maybe don't have this long lineage of of information that you can find because it you can just break it down to its most basic of like, hey, where are you from? What? How did you get started? So on and so forth. But on the yeah. flip side of that, like sometimes people be like, well, this interview sucked. It's just basic questions. And it's like, well, I'm sorry. Like it, somebody has to kind of create the foundation for other people to then be like, so I heard in this interview you did a while ago, like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And that's the hard part of some of that. And so I think it's kind of a, a nice challenge at times, but sometimes I'm like, man, I really don't want to be the, the one that is like breaking in this band in interviews. Plus, sometimes you get, and I'm, you know, this is a question for you. Do you ever get anybody yeah. who just is it good on their feet? I guess it's a different medium because you're not doing it in a typical like quote unquote podcast realm. So you're probably sh- filming and I'm sure you just cut together all three, like three or four different angles that the camera's got. But I mean, like are there ever like really long pauses where you got someone who just isn't a talker <laughs> and doesn't know how to answer questions because they're just not used to being interviewed?
3: Um. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Um. So I've had maybe not the awkward pauses and stuff and i obviously i can't say who but there, there's been i remember one interview in particular where um the person looked a little nervous and and when i asked him a question i started the interview and he immediately uh, summed up the band in about a sentence it seemed like, <laughs> and he got real quick and then and, and that's what we're doing now and i was like all right well we're gonna have to go further back we're gonna have to spend a little more time you know right. but Yeah, I've never had any kind of awkward and not yet um, there's uh, certain people I got a, a few artists coming up but it, I've been warned about uh, one in particular that gives uh, that, that may that may happen so uh, yeah so I could better address that
2: later in the future
3: <laughs> what about you guys what do you do man what's the secret
2: well, for me, is the secret, secret? <laughs> the, the secret for me is Joe uh, on my other <laughs> podcast. Uh, he makes all that stuff disappear. Like, if it's real awkward. like we, we had a really bad interview with an artist a while back that was like 90 minutes of long pauses. Oh, weird. yeah. Yeah, and just, it just didn't <laughs> work at all. I hit you and,
3: up on that. I was like, that was uncomfortable to listen to
2: yeah it really was and uh, so but I had a guy that basically uh, you know he basically just cuts everything out like he's he's really angle attentive about the way everything sounds so he, he basically cut that 90 minute interview into
1: a 45 minute interview that sounded great sometimes like and and I'll, I'll ask you this question too so sure. I know I get asked what's your reach for the podcast? And it's a very hard question to ask because I mean, what's the reach of anything? Uh there are so many outside variables as to what your reach organically versus, you know, outside variables that you don't really have a whole lot of control over. And so part of me sometimes <laughs> wanted to be like, What's my reach? It's good enough for the WWE to hear about my fucking podcast and to get it a song taken away from Kill Switch Engage, which is arguably one of the bigger bands in that scene. So I don't know. How big is my podcast? How big is the reach of my podcast? Because it's a stupid question, and I feel really dumb talking to grown adults about Facebook likes and the my reach and all this kind of stuff. But it's yeah. the nature of the beast. So kind of flipping the question, I guess, a little bit back onto you, how do you – do you have to deal with these same things? like, Or is your name kind of just – do people actually look at the quality of your work and the content of your work versus what you do – like your 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 YouTube reach or whatever they want to say.
3: Yeah, that's that, yeah another great question, man. Uh, it's funny the the quality of the interviews I feel like are are way better than my quality of the interview is. So that's something I struggle with a lot. I don't know. If I'm answering your question, I'm going on a limb here, but um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I I don't really know how to answer your question. Uh, the the reach um, probably. I, it's it's
1: growing um, well YouTube views not necessarily stuff. trying to get into your your numbers but I mean just like more so do you have to deal with publicists who are like okay Scott you want X guest tell me a little bit about your show what is your reach do you get that question when you're trying to get a guest
3: so yeah, that's great. Uh, wh- when I talk, I actually don't have to. Publicists don't really. I don't. I don't go down that lane. Obviously, uh, not obviously, but uh, uh, <laughs> wh- what I mean, is, I didn't mean to say obviously. Um, I deal with like their their managers and stuff like that. I really don't deal with publicists that much. Um, I and, and the, another thing is um, with my show. and the past few artists I've had, have always been through like, like I interviewed. G- good example. I've interviewed Mikey from Islander, mm-hmm. the singer of Islander. Yep. Mikey says, Hey, I'm friends with Head from Corn. Do you want me to reach out to him? I say sure. Yes. Then and then he gets on my show. That's the easiest thing to do for me. And then like like Jose. I'm friends with Jose. You want me you want me to text him? Sure. Jose says he'll be on your show. So but the biggest thing for my show is is making friendships and then them referring me to other people. It's so much easier than dealing with like publicists and um, I've I've dealt with uh, I, I've dealt with like managers in the past. I say managers. I don't know what to call them. Maybe publicists too. But uh, but it's so much easier dealing with like people that are just refer you. As, hey, I got a probably you know he'll love to be on your show.
1: I definitely can concur with that. I mean, I've been able to do that with Dan for his podcast when some of the guests he's gotten. It's like, hey, I have a personal contact friendship with that person. I can probably get him on your thing. So it's, it's definitely easier stick, when man. it's so much easier when that's the case. But like right now. I've been working at getting Sean Morgan from Seether, and it looked good for Louder Than Life. And I basically was like, hey, Louder Than Life fell through. Seether's uh, coming here to Grand Rapids. Uh, is there any way I can get Sean to do you know, whatever amount 15, 20 minutes that you're going to give me there? And I had to resubmit all of my information again. And I was like, oh, my God. It's still in the same – so th- it's still in- – and the worst part is, is I just piggybacked off with the actual email that we already went on. I was like, hey, in light of this, like, is there any way we can do this. And I was like, so I-, I almost wanted to be a dick and be like, refer like three emails up and all the information you requested is still there. But I resubmitted um, everything.
3: <laughs> John 5.
1: Oh, man. So
3: I reached, out- I reached out to his publicist and they said uh, after uh, – I can't remember the exact words – after further reviewing your show and – and everything, they said, um, we'll keep you in mind. Just we, we need you to be a little basically. My show needs to be a little bigger, yep. <laughs> We may have a little more people on there. But yeah, I was just very full of reject. I was like, ah, oh, that stinks.
1: Oh, I've started yeah, to re- I resorted now to uh name dropping who I like bands I've had on because I figure if that's not going to get me anywhere, then when, when can I start doing that?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm definitely more like Scott in that regard. It's always friends of friends or. I'll find somebody on Facebook or you know something along those lines. Like John does all the all the legwork uh, on on this podcast. Um, yeah, every day is leg day. Uh, but uh, no, like he because for us, I mean, some of the people that we got on our other podcast was just like it's so funny because it's so weird how it all gets thrown together. Because basically, people either ignore you completely outright or they are just like literally just like okay sounds fun you know um and we also come across come at it from a whole we're not actually going to interview you like ask you any personal questions we're just gonna you know have you pick a band and talk about that but almost every single time it seems like we'll talk about the band and then like the last half hour is just like a regular interview or you know just guys talking and Stuff like that. But uh, yeah, like as far as the publicists and stuff go, um, I don't deal with them because I don't have I don't have as much class as John does. Like so far, if I ask somebody, you know, hey, hey, do you want to you know, can we get your artist on or whatever? like no your podcast is not big enough or you're not you know like i'm probably going to respond in such a way that they will never even give us a chance even if we become the biggest podcast in the world you know
3: do they say that to you though they say your podcast's not big enough they don't
2: say it directly it's funny too because i appreciate the people that do say it directly
1: oh yeah. it's you... just
2: like oh okay this guy's a straight shooter so when i get a little bigger i can come back and you know ask again um usually it's one of those like like john was saying well what's your reach I don't know. Like, I know that, like, people download the show. I've never been asked that like, question, I, you know. by the way. Yeah, like, well, we know that, No, like, I, I know that people download the show, but, like, I don't know how many of those are actual people. Like, I had, I had somebody, my wife went to play volleyball last night, and a person on her volleyball team said, like, yeah, I don't listen to your husband's podcast, but when I'm on my lunch break, I hit play so he gets the download. So it's like, th- there's really no easy <laughs> way to, like, know – what your actual quote unquote reach is like, it's, it's such a loaded question, but that's what they go off of. Like they just, if they can get cold, hard numbers out of you,
1: that's what they do. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely frustrating. Um, I think I've, I've shared emails with Dan that I get where it's just like, you know, just fucking come right out and say like, <laughs> instead of telling me that so-and-so is not doing interviews. And then obviously I see that person doing a ton of interviews. It's like, why don't you just tell me that they're not going to do an interview with me because I'm not on the level of these other things, these other publications or distribution avenues. Uh, because you know what? I will respect and understand that way more. But when you tell me he's not doing interviews and then I see at least 20 interviews shared between the publicity firms, Facebook pages and socials and such, and the band and the people sharing these interviews, it's like, well, uh, that's a lie. <laughs> So and a lot and a lot of times I just want to like copy and paste like send screenshots of all these things, send it to them and go, I thought they weren't doing any press. This seems like an awful lot of press for someone who's not doing any interviews Uh, must have misunderstood what you meant. Or maybe these were all done uh, before my interviews, even though some of these were done at venues after the fact of when I was trying to do one. But hey, whatever.
3: Yeah, that's crazy. Like when you say stuff like that, it's it's amazing because we're basically this is a free service. And something that we're passionate about. So it's the the big question is like, what drives you guys to to keep going when you deal with all that stuff? You know what I mean? I mean, this is we're we're not getting paid. We get you. I mean, you guys may have patreons and stuff, but it's it's one person
1: and it's my friend.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's more than I have. So
1: (laughs) okay,
2: I I love I love all my patreon subscribers. Okay.
1: I don't even I don't even know if dan's uh Dan's fan base comes over and listens to him on this to be completely honest um I post it oh no um, I, d- I understand I that it, but i mean yeah. i I would I be interested know. to find what people who solely came over for you because of you I would be interested to find or find out what they think of this show overall
2: yeah there's there's been a few, and I always ask, but it always turns out that they're like listen to one well, I'm listening to this one or you know it's it's hard. It, it is so dreadfully hard and this could actually go into another topic entirely, but it's really hard to get actual legitimate feedback from people.
1: I think they just you don't want to bum you out. Right. Like if it's terrible,
2: you know, or they hate it or they didn't really listen to it, but they said they did just to make me feel better or, or whatever it is. Um, it's hard, you know, cause I will ask direct questions like that. Like, you yeah. know, Hey, um, what did you think of the show? You know? Yeah. And it's always like, they either change the subject immediately or, you know, don't really want to get into it at all. And like, yeah, and that's what it's been like for ours. Um, and I'm, I'm don't want to ask a listener that I don't know. That's like not my friend to be like, well, how come you don't listen to John's podcast or do you listen to John's podcast or, or whatever? Hmm. But I mean, on the flip side of that though, a lot of people have gone to our podcast just for me being on this one. You know, so that's how, yeah,
3: that's how what I did.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some there's Sorry. some trickle down effect there. Well, that's all I was gonna say.
1: What has been? I mean, because you're you're solely on. I mean, I guess technically you have it on your website, but I was gonna say you're you're solely basically on YouTube, where you have very, uh, I'll say fickle, uh, to put it nicely. You have very fickle people who will come and basically just comment on whatever. So, given that that's how that medium is. Have you been pleasantly surprised at the overwhelming positive feedback to your interviews?
3: Yes, and and that kind of um, when when Dan was talking, I was thinking about that because it's I, I feel like I don't want to surround myself with yes people and yeah yeah everything everything you're doing is great, but that seems like I don't know if I'm answering your question, but it seems like every interview I do, I constantly get this enormous feedback of. Yes, that's amazing. Yes. you I love your interview, but I'm super critical on that and I don't think I don't agree with them. You know, I'm like this I could have been better. That
1: wasn't that good. The public is our our boss indirectly, I guess. Um yeah. since we're in a content creating thing, but it's like I don't know. I think it would be very disingenuous for someone to be like, "Well, I'm not going to read the negative comments because uh whatever."
3: You know, I've been kind of blessed with that because my brother, (laughs) I invite him to almost every interview I do. And he tells me like it is. (laughs) That's pretty funny because everybody's like, oh, that's amazing. It's a great interview because I always hear that. And then my brother would be like, yeah, you kind of asked him a question and he gave you the answer. Then you kind of just asked him again. (laughs) And (laughs) so he gives me this like really direct feedback of like, if you weren't my brother, I'd
2: want to beat you up right now. (laughs)
3: so it's good that uh, yeah I'm, I'm glad i have him to help me
2: but well i think it's different right with man. a podcast <laughs> you know it is it's different yeah. on a podcast though than like being a musician or you know because with a, as a musician you've got like a certain vision that you have you know for how you want things to go but on a podcast i mean you can you can plan as much as you want to plan but there's really no way to make it perfect uh i keep trying to tell my co-host on my other show this all the time like there's there's no perfect podcast out there that's, like, 100%, you know, going to be amazing because of the unpredictability of speaking to another person, you know, that's not yeah. you. And also, as far as the feedback stuff goes, like, I definitely stopped looking at the download numbers. That was the one thing that I was used to be really concerned about, and now I don't care as much because... In the beginning, I was super disappointed because, you know, whenever you first start anything, nobody downloads it. Nobody listens to it, you know, <laughs> and I'm in two years later. And in, the, in that department, I'll pay I'll pay loose attention to it and be like, wow. But now I can come at it from like, a, wow, we're doing a lot better than we were two years ago, you know, and just go from there. But like with uh, with the whole feedback thing, you know, with Facebook reviews and, and iTunes reviews and all this kind of stuff that podcasters seem to care about so much. Is that, you know, we're not rock stars. So we also want to seem like we're involved with the community. You know, we try to make a podcast into a community. You want it to be an open forum. You want people to be able to comment on your episodes, give their opinion and things like that, and feel free enough to do that. And part of that is giving a little bit of credence to even some of the negativity. Like we recently had or I recently had a, you know, got a semi-negative review on our podcast and it was the very first one we'd ever gotten um and I was like freaking out cuz I was like oh man it's a negative it's blah, blah 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 and then I was like well it's a little constructive um it wasn't worded great but you know and I <laughs> thought I thought well like let's you know we should and my my other co-host said you know well let's let's do a rebuttal or let's you know respond to it and say this and eventually you know we we ended up doing we just every time we get an iTunes review we read it on the podcast cuz people like that um, and this was a negative one. So instead, I just read the negative review on the podcast. That's awesome. And, and yeah, just said, cool. hey, thanks, thanks for your honesty, and we moved on. And like, then like John was saying, because yeah, the the public is our boss, and we have to kind of roll with the punches and show that you know, hey, just letting you know, I know you didn't say something nice about us, but we wanted to let you know that you did. We did listen to you, and we'll take you know whatever we can take out of that. Um,
3: so my question is this: nope, you didn't So sign. when you're, <laughs> <laughs> so when you're dealing with a podcast, people like so my video when I do these web shows, people that I interview I guess they, um, it's like they know cameras are on, so they're gonna put on a. I'm not trying to say maybe a persona. They're just they're, they're on or camera ready. So yeah, they're on doing a. Um, podcast these people are just talking to you and they don't you know they don't care what they look like they don't care whatever I wonder like just how different that is when you're doing when you're conducting an interview because I feel like when I'm doing my interviews people are probably on their best behavior they don't want to look stupid because they got three cameras rolling on them I don't know this is kind of a weird question but when you were to tell me that I was I was thinking about that you know I mean I was just wondering how different that would be if I did an interview the exact same style, going through every album, but no cameras on you, and you just, just your voice, you know?
2: Well, I, I mean... Know. That's not I mean, a question, I've seen, that's more of a statement. I've seen, I mean, I've heard people get, like, really chummy with John, like, I mean, just really to the point of just, like, they start talking to him, and it's, like, a 45 minutes passes, and now it's, like, I'm not talking to this podcaster that I met, I'm talking to an old friend, you know? So, and. So uh, if you
3: had- cameras on John while he's doing this do you think like how different that would be conversation wise you know? I'm gonna
1: tell you this and this isn't to, to boost me up you, I could go grab my wife right now and cause she sees this happen in the wild quote unquote all the time my wife is just like people will just tell you the most random shit like about themselves. Like that. Like in theory, no one should tell like, yeah, you know, the first time I met my wife and we went on our first date, like no one's going to tell you that story randomly at a bar, but like she goes, people will just tell you these things. So I don't know. I've a lot of my friends, I know it's, it's a gift and a curse. Like I can talk obviously uh, to just about anyone about a lot of things. Um, but for whatever reason, I I have this gift that people will just kind of open up to me. Dan would be a better one to ask because even though I listen to these interviews and I prep for him, maybe Dan can hear the intangible that is not having me involved in it from my perspective. But I feel like maybe I just find <clears throat> the humanity to ask these questions out of people. I I don't know. I guess yeah,
3: like like I guess um like like Dan was talking about the uh, the interview you had before where the person maybe seemed. I don't know, angry or or whatever kind of out of it. Um, <laughs> if, if he had I'm not I'm not naming names, but if he had John interviewed uh, that guy too. <laughs> okay. Oh no, he's well, talking
1: about the other well, one that just back re- to my,
3: I'm not trying to stretch my question out anymore. I'm sorry. But if, if if we had cameras on that guy, would he would you guys still have the same
1: interview with him? I would have the same interview, I think. I think I have a way of kind of taking people out of whatever is happening around them. Making it feel like a legit, genuine conversation, face to face, looking at each other. Uh, typically, you know, they can see my notes so they know I've spent time. So it's not just like, oh, here's this person asking some bullshit and wasting my time. And, yes, okay. you know, and a lot of times, like if you go back and listen to the Jaden Panesso episode I did from Siler, it's like within the first three minutes, I was like, dude, I'm just tossing my questions. Let's have a conversation. Let's go. And to me, I think when you can do that, and just talk to someone. I think it brings any of that. Oh, there's something on me because I mean, I don't have cameras on me, but that doesn't mean like they're, the most vulnerable thing is at, at that point is is on is their voice. They the only essence that makes them them is is the thing that is being captured at that point. So you can hear the fear or the nervousness or whatever. I think it's more raw and vulnerable to do an audio format interview than it would be to do an inter like a thing because I can tell you to shoot me from this way up or hey don't don't shoot me from the waist down and then I can have my or waist up and I can have my hands below my waist and I can play with something because I'm nervous like you you can't do that with your voice um true so the thing for me is I think if we were to do a podcast or do a video based interview I think personally I could get people to do exactly what they do on this podcast because I I think that's the intangible I have. Um, I think Dan could get there too because I think he has that same capability and, and those qualities about him where he can just get people to start talking uh, about whatever. And sometimes I, I wonder for you, I, I, I sometimes wonder, I feel like you would maybe benefit from doing a, this version of it because I feel like sometimes <laughs> – it's. There's been a few times where I'm like, I don't know if it's just the edit itself where I feel like it stays on you a little bit, like a half second too long, where you're just like... <laughs> <laughs> or like someone's like, okay, you're oh, you're on ca- you're on camera, you said that. T- that you're on camera too. But now we're switching to the wide, and like so now you guys should both be kind of looking at us. I don't know if you guys do it treat it like that, where it's like, okay, here's your hard camera, here's your hard camera, here's the wide, and then you both should look at this. But to me, sometimes I feel like in the edit, I'm like, ah, they should have panned it's away a from, too long. yeah, a little bit too long. And to me, I think that that's what. Uh, what can create a little bit more is like because I feel like there's a lot of visual stuff that you have to take into a consideration while you're trying to do an interview, whereas I don't have to deal with any of that. And so to me, that would I'm, be more start,
3: like winking at the camera, like <laughs> a little yes, next question.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, but then what if they leave it in and then like people on YouTube are like, what's with the creepy winks that are going on? And they <laughs> and they add, and add sound this. effects.
3: Actually, that's right. that's a, that's a, a good Johnson question. Tuttle podcast told me to do that. So how uh, how involved
1: are you in the editing process of your videos?
3: Uh, not at all. I really? Actually don't even know. I don't even know the editor's name. I don't even know who edits the, the my good company episodes. Oh so
1: my god, that would drive this, me nuts. I couldn't do that.
3: So, this is actually a, a, a loaded answer. I don't know, but um, I've had two different people film my show. So the first ten episodes was a guy named Dustin Blake, um, and then I used. Um, i met a guy named nathan Mowry who films ddp yoga and kind of became friends with him realized he was a better fit for the show right so he's the next 12 episodes that you've seen and the show's gotten insanely better just uh, i love working with him he's great these guys own crew and these guys own editor guy i don't even know him i don't know his name they send it off um we also had rich ward do my intro song so which was nice because before we used to like go, um, like i'd be like oh i'm interviewing brian welch from corn so let's do blind let's do that as the intro song but what i found out is the copyright issue um so i i got my own song good company so that's that plays
2: on every episode anyway i'm, I'm rambling
1: should have had to be bad company well, what's funny is, uh,
2: <laughs> what's funny about the copyright thing is, um, I know I keep bringing up my other podcasts, I, I've only been on John's podcast for a few months, so a lot of my podcast experience or stories that I share are usually about the other podcast, and uh, that was one of the biggest things for us was the uh, was the copyright, because we upload yeah, all of our stuff to YouTube it. as well, but it's weird because... We never get copyright strikes. We've only ever gotten one or two copyright strikes, and the reason for that is because we—if you've listened to our episodes—you know we we play the band that we're talking about. Like we play a random selection of songs from that band while we're yeah, having the discussion. Yeah. It like just bride. makes it sound, yeah, yeah. It just makes it sound a little bit cooler, you know.
3: What about Timmy? Timmy uh, does full songs. Like he used to talk to me, like he used to full songs from. But he's not on hilarious. YouTube.
1: No, uh, he, yeah. he does the thing that I thought about doing, which is you just put little snippets and then include the link to the episode. But I tend to find that it's like if you're going to try to get someone on a 30-second to two-minute clip from the episode with a link, it's like chances are they're not going to listen. They're not going to click that link, so you might as well throw the whole thing up there, And which is great because like there are some episodes that I have that ha- and have not been downloaded very well uh, as far as the audio thing, but on YouTube there are like 3,000 downloads. Or 3,000 views. And wow. it's like, all right.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And the way we got around the copyright was uh, we just talk over it. Like, we talk over the music because how these copyright bots work is they just, they check for like certain familiar waveforms for like uh, copyrighted works. And we never, our waveforms never the same because our voices are talking over the audio. And so, like, and- nobody ever picks it up. We only ever got strikes where like, Joe accidentally played like 15 full seconds of a intro or something for like a traumatic like a dramatic pause or something and then that got flagged and then all we had to do was take out that like little we had to take like eight seconds out of it and it was fine um, but yeah, like that the copyright thing is hard because especially if you're if you're trying to get like paid for views and stuff, if you get any copyright strikes, they don't pay you anything for for your video even even if it's got like you know 220,000 views or or whatever you know um if they if they hit you at all on a copyright strike you're pretty much dead in the water
1: you know something i think that's that would be very hard for me like i know how it is for us to have to sit on interviews outside of that like i kind of pride myself on the fact now that we've caught up cuz i was way ahead of with content which is why we started going to two episodes a week but the thing is oh. is i know you have interviews that you've done already but I feel like it'd just be so frustrating where you're like, I did this interview and here's some shots of it. And then it's like, but it's not out for like two months, maybe due to how you schedule your stuff out. Is it kind of frustrating yeah. to like know you had a good chat and you're like ready for it to be out? But like you just you got to sit on it for a little bit I, just due to. Dude,
3: yes, dude, that's awesome. man. I'm glad you brought that up um, with um, with Nathan and his crew now. They're pretty consistent with every two weeks but it does stretch and and it does man like if I had a podcast I know if I had a great chat I could post this up you know I don't know how many days it takes you guys but you just said but um, yes that does drive me nuts sometimes like I know one time our editor uh, went on vacation so I was like oh this is taking forever but you know yeah well definitely I wish it was a, like kind of like we do the interview and it's going to be out tomorrow yeah it does stink sitting on it you know what though nothing compares to this i interviewed chris jericho in january of january 2018 and it's still not out yet (laughs) i was gonna say i thought you
1: you've interviewed him but i I haven't seen it
3: yeah and and rich ward told me he listened to it too and he said he loved it so yeah i was like man is this thing ever gonna come out but yeah so to love it
1: Kind of in uh in wrapping up, um, what are some of the guests that you? What are like your 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 bucket list guests at this point?
3: I'm glad you asked that. My bucket list right now would be two people: Dave <laughs> Grohl. Oh yeah, I love that. I love Foo Fighters. I love what he's done with that band. Absolutely love them. Or James Hetfield. It's those two. Like I'm just like I'll never get those guys, but. It's a it, it's a bucket list.
1: Never know, man. What just, what would be what would be if you could ask Dave Grohl and James Hatfield one question each? What would it be?
3: Oh, that's good. That's like a thinker. I gotta think about it, man. For for Dave Grohl, right when you said that, I, I immediately thought, if Nirvana, if, if Kurt Cobain never killed himself, and after in utero, what would the next Foo Fighter, I mean, <laughs> what the next Nirvana album would have been like? What direction or I've always wondered that, like, did you ever do anything after that, recording-wise or talking-wise, or what was Kurt really like?
1: Scott, where can people find you on the socials? The
3: website is scottgoodcompany.com. Also, I'm on um, YouTube. I think you just basically do Good Company Bowling, uh, and then Facebook. Uh, good Company Bowling. Every, all this is Good Company Bowling because originally the show was called Good Company with Bowling. <laughs> uh, and I was told that's not a good name. You need to drop the bowling part. And I never fixed the bowling part. So, yeah. So if you ever want to find me, you can find me on all social media. Um, just Good Company. And if you throw in bowling, you will find me.
1: Bowling like, for dot comp-
2: com yeah. slash Good Company with Bowling. <laughs> Got it. Exactly.
1: Lastly, we always like to end these episodes out with a song, so what would you like us to play it out to? Uh, And if you say frantic, I'm going to say no.
3: Absolutely. I got it right now, because I said Dave Grohl is my bucket list. This is a call by Foo Fighters. Done. That's it.
1: Perfect. So that was our chat. Yes, that's correct. As you heard, Dan was also on that conversation, so I don't need to ask him what he thought of it, because he was there. But... Garbage. What? What did you think of it? Because that's the question I usually ask you to get into this part of the the outros.
2: No, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a really kind of a peek behind the curtain kind of podcast. And those are always kind. Of, those are always more fun uh, when we get to just talk to somebody that has a very different approach than we do. And uh, I think it's cool, man. Like I'm a. Uh, I've I've watched the show a lot, and so. It's just kind of fun for me, you know, anytime he Skypes in or whatever, to see him at the bar and everything. Now, his cell phone doesn't have quite as good a video quality as his actual show does, but, you know, the full effect was there.
1: Yeah, it's... I gotta say, it's it's a bit of a trip to realize that that's, that's just at his disposal, <laughs> that whole area. Like, I mean, I, I think I have, like, you know, a nice office and, you know, nice areas in, in my house, but... I don't have something that's almost like someone like I mean if you were to think of like okay let's let's create the perfect backdrop for this kind of a show I don't think a set designer could even come up with all of that to just be so perfectly the the man cave type thing with all of his you know adornments and so forth it's like I think it's just fucking crazy like vinyl
2: that, records and booze it's perfect
1: yeah I mean it's more or less like I have the hobo version of that here in my office but <laughs> right <laughs> but you know it, it's just kind of interesting and, and sometimes you know it's it's kind of fun to do different episodes you know like you were saying uh than we typically do just to kind of be fun and I definitely would think like if I were just getting into podcasting or I wanted to even do a web series I th- I think there was a lot of interesting information that you were able to to get from all three of us I think you know, as I had kind of said in the intro, you know, we all do different things with our shows. They're all unique unto themselves, but there is a, quite a bit of similarities. And, you know, what works for me doesn't work for Scott, doesn't work for you, but maybe something that works for you, like, is something that we can all learn from or whatever. And so I think it's it's just, like I said, it's, it's just a nice behind-the-scenes kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I want to thank Scott for coming on because, I mean, dude doesn't need to fucking come on my show. <laughs> Yeah, man, he's
2: he's killing it, um, on his own, and uh, yeah, man, I always good to talk to Scott. I had him on my show a while back, and uh, it was good.
1: You've had him on your show twice.
2: Oh yeah, I had yeah because it was we so nice you had at him the on twice. Yeah, we had uh, we had we had him on for the Rocket Pot Expo, and that one was in person, so we got to drink beer together, and it was fantastic.
1: What is it like? It was like easy? nine in the morning, but you know what are you gonna do? What was it like looking at such a, a beautiful man in person?
2: Oh, it was fantastic. I have several pictures of the moment. I think I would have and, turned uh, to stone. You probably a, might. A part have.
1: of a part of me would have. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: You'd have been like, "Dude, is somebody filming us? Like, where are you at? What are you doing?" Where's your film crew? <laughs> <laughs> like that, blew, that that blew me away, man. Just the concept of having a crew at all, but yeah. yeah. At the same time, you know, my my heart goes out to you, John, because you do all the editing and everything yourself, or whatever. In a lot of ways, like it's almost like steps up the ladder. Like John's down here, like grinding it all out, doing it himself, and then like on my podcast, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I show up and talk every week, but you know, Joe does all the work, right? And then Scott's like. I got a whole camera crew that films everything. in <laughs> there edit it. yeah. yeah. It's like, wow, dude. <laughs> like, I thought I was king awesome on the block, but that is clearly not the case.
1: I mean, too, like, when you get people like Jose Mangan and, and Eddie Trunk to people who are, like, just fucking legendary, like, for being, for doing this basically on a way bigger scale. And, oh, you yeah. Know, in Eddie Trunk's case, you know, has been for. 30 some odd years it's like to you know just to me to be able to get someone like that I, I think really speaks to what Scott's doing over there like just the, the level of, of professionalism you know because Eddie Trunk and Jose aren't going to fucking waste their time with like nobody like they're not going to go all the way like if I were to be like hey Jose hey Eddie I want you to come down to Grand Rapids Michigan and sit in my office and have a conversation with me for like a half hour 40 minutes yeah or actually it'd be longer than that because you probably got to do makeup hair like get everything squared away different camera angles so on and so forth um <clears throat> So, I mean, at that point, it's like you're probably literally spending a day with this person. And to yeah. me, it's like, you know, like I've made the comment in doing this podcast, you know, with you a handful of times. I don't know if I've said it on record, but I know I've said it in general. But it's like the experience that I get to have or we get to have with these people that come on. I mean, even if you paid for a meet and greet, you're still not getting what we're getting.
2: You're not getting that experience, yeah. Yeah.
1: So to me it's like, you know, the fact that we're able to do this thing and you know, Dan's kind of made me realize like not everyone can do this, uh, even though I would say contrary, like I think everyone can do this. Um, and I think everyone should, uh, for various reasons. But beside that, I think it's uh it's one of those things where, you know, when you see someone like Scott who's able to get someone like an Eddie Trunk, a Jose Mangan, you know, all these people and you know, to me, if you're able to, to get those people and be able to have them stay interactive with you for that length of time and creating good, good content. Like that speaks so highly to the professionalism and just how well Scott prepares for these interviews. But I I think, uh, you know, that's, that's really as good as any, I mean, you know, we've been pumping up Scott's show. Uh, so if you are not familiar with it, good company with bowling, we'll get right to the plugging part of this. Uh, if you would like to follow him, you can find him on Facebook at good company with bowling. Instagram is Scott Good Company. Uh, he has a somewhat defunct Twitter page. I strongly encourage him to get another one if he doesn't already. Uh cuz Twitter's where it's at, yo. And just send uh,
2: him like 400 DMs on Twitter so it destroys whatever email account he has attached to it. <laughs> and then he'll start using his Twitter again. Just
1: try it. Yeah. And then uh, you can find him on YouTube at uh, Scott Bowling Good Company. Simple enough. And uh, you can go to his website as well, scottgoodcompany.com keep up with everything going on uh scott and his team do a really good job of uh posting clips from upcoming episodes keeping you uh, a foot of who's coming on um dude's just kind of like i said killing it on all platforms and uh god forbid if uh, he actually ever decides to turn them into audio podcasts because then we're all fucked um and we're dead yeah basically All that aside, though, if you would like to keep up with our show partner at Moshpit Nation, you can find them at com. Follow them on Facebook at Mosh Nation, West Capital M-I. Twitter and Instagram are simply Mosh Nation. And if you would like to keep up with our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can find them on thebeanbastard.com. Twitter and Instagram are also simply The Bean Bastard. And Dan, where can people find you?
2: Uh, You can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry, or you can find it under the discography discussion page. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at DiscussMetalDan, and uh, you could even probably send me an email at DiscussMetalDan at gmail.com, or you can send uh, the podcast an email. Basically, the whole deal of it is that if you want to get a
1: hold of me, I'm right here. And if you would like to keep up with all things the podcast, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at johnsontitlepodcast, tweet at us at Johnson Title Pod and email us at johnsontitlepod at gmail.com. And we're going to end the episode as we always do with a song, and as you heard Scott say, he wanted us to play it out to Foo Fighters, This is a Call, which is a fucking great song off of a great record. So do yourselves a favor, crank this motherfucker up, This is a Call, and we will talk to you next time.
0: This is great is Visiting is good Seems that all they ever Wanted was a brother This will be a scene We can keep it good